Hi friend, let's be honest. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and full. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, maybe you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real. Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I am your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm so excited you're listening in. We are in the middle of a series talking about ish, identity, and impetus, and how those concepts relate to finding something real. And if you want to find out more, please check out our earlier episodes or you can visit my website at www.janellewood.com and sign up to receive the free study guide that goes along with this series. Today, friends, I am super excited to welcome another friend to the podcast. This person is one of the most beautiful people I know. She lights up a room, has a passion for loving God and loving people. She's also an amazing teacher, and her joy is contagious. When I asked her how she wanted me to introduce her, she made sure that I would say she is a child of the Most High. I am so excited to welcome my sweet sister in Christ, Crystal Hurst. Crystal, welcome. Thank you so much. I am honored. Uh, I count it a (laughs) blessing to be with you, Janelle. Oh, Crystal, since the moment I met you over three years ago, you have just been one of the most radiant people I know. Uh, You're always so full of joy and spiritual perspective, and I admire you so much. Praise God for that. (laughs) So I need to know, were you born with the joy gene? Because we're talking about identity, and when I think of you, I just think of pure joy. I don't know if maybe I was because I don't (laughs) remember being a a sad child. Believe it or not, I was a very shy child. (laughs) It's hard for me to believe right now, but I remember, you know, I was born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina. Sometimes I, people will say, "Uh, where are you from? And I say, well, I I lived in San Diego for 35 years. And they said, but no, where are you from? And I said, well, (laughs) I was born and raised in South Carolina. And they said, oh, I hear it. (laughs) But I just remember, you know, in South Carolina, one of the the greatest uh, attributes, I, I would say, is the whole sense of hospitality. You know, you hear about the Southern hospitality. It is true. I remember um, when I was a little girl riding through the neighborhood with my mom or walking around in the neighborhood and everybody sits on the porch and they wave. And and uh, and so I don't know, maybe. Maybe I've kind of sort of always been a, a happy kid, uh, but there's there's trials and tribulations in everybody's life. So uh, thinking back, uh, it, there have been a few little hiccups, I'd say. Um, should I continue on, Janelle? You have a remarkable story. Yeah. 
in that you've been through some things in life that might cause someone to question God or at the very least rob them of their joy. Yeah. Um, and like I introduced you, you are probably the most joyful person I know, uh, hands down. So would you mind sharing about who you were uh, as a little girl versus who you were maybe as a teenager and what happened between those years? Well, like I was saying, I was born and raised in South Carolina and uh, all the way up to the age of nine, I remember uh, just being a happy-go-lucky kind of kid. We lived in a, a really, my grandmom, I should say, and I was with my grandmom a lot. And she lived in a, a really, really kind of poor part of Greenville, South Carolina. And um, and our thing was to be out in the woods and kind of playing around and playing hide and go seek and all of the regular little games. But at the age of nine, I um, got really sick. Actually, it started about January and I turned nine in March. So it was towards the latter part of my eight eight-year-old year. And I just got sick. I would go to school each day and I was in fourth grade. And uh, every day about noon, I would um, start getting these headaches. And my teacher would say, well, lay your head down. And then she'd go and she'd call my mom or dad. And my dad would be a little bit more accessible to come pick me up because he worked for the city. So he was usually out hanging street lights or that sort of thing. So he could come pick me up. Uh, from school. And then he'd take me to my grandmom's and I'd go in and take a nap and and I'd wake up and I'd feel better. And then I'd do my homework and go out and play. And recently I asked my mom, how long did this go on? She said about two weeks. Uh, To me, in retrospect, it seemed like a lot longer. But um, after about two weeks, she carried me to the doctor. And uh, I remember just feeling like the flu times a million. It was like the worst flu ever. And uh, when we got to the doctor's office that day, I was sitting in the waiting room with my mom and I had my head laying on her on her lap because I just felt so horrible. And then when the doctor called us in, he, um, I'm a, I, I always say uh, he must have been a country Western lover because he had this thing on this wall and he was asking me, he said, tell me what this is. And he was pointing to it. And what it was, it was like a sculpture of a horse head. And, uh, and I remember saying, that's a horse. And, and he said, well, what is this? And I could see the hat on the horse's head, but he, I couldn't see at that, at that time, I couldn't see any of the the eye, any, no details, no facial details on, on the horse. And so, um, I had gotten where I was seeing like double. And then, uh, at one point I was saying blurry, but by then everything was going dark fast. And so, um, that day, my, when we left, the doctor gave my mom a note and he said, take her directly to the emergency room and they'll be waiting for you. Um, they thought I had a brain tumor, but um, what it ended up after, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I'd say, of being in the hospital and going through the process and having spinal taps every day. And they discovered that uh, after, when they did the brain surgery, they discovered that I had encephalitis, a virus, and the fluids by then had built around my optic nerve and damaged uh, the optic nerve. So 
um, I originally, uh, initially, I was totally blind. And then my vision uh, started coming back a little bit. And I got, now I'm light perception. I, I'm a cane user. I'm a braille user. I don't have, you know, any, any facial distinction or, or anything like that. And so, um, and so that's, that's just a, a way of life for me now. I know uh, I, I teach. Uh, this is my 18th year of being a teacher of the visually impaired, and I've taught blind kids K-12 for the past 18 years. And I've seen so many different situations. Uh, a lot of parents grieve the loss of their children's uh, vision, and uh, and and then I've had students that are victimized by their vision loss, but. Um, for me, uh, everybody has been dealt a hand in this world. Nobody comes out completely clean. We all have a hand that we've been dealt in this life. And we all have to play our hand. And we have to do the very, very best with the hand that we've been dealt. And God is so good. He doesn't make any mistakes. So he knows exactly what the plans are that he has for our lives, even before we're born. So I'm good with where I am. Um, I don't ever remember crying about losing my vision. That's one thing my mom tells me. She said, you never cried. You, you never. She's my mom. Of course, I'm the only child. And so she had a really difficult time with it. Um, but the only time I remember really being upset is when I turned 16 and my cousins, everybody was driving a car and, uh, and I wanted to drive. And, and my daddy said, well, where you want to go? I'll take you wherever you want to go. So, and then I started dating and then all my boyfriends took me where I want to go. So it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you, I remember you telling me one time that what you went blind from is something that is treated with antibiotics now. That's, is that that's right? correct. I, uh, when I was working in San Diego Unified School District, um, I met a, a lady. She was um, one of our uh, mobility instructors, and she and I were talking about uh, my vision loss. And she said, wow, she said, that's so interesting. She said that her sister, her sister was 22. Um, and when she was telling me this story, it had happened maybe eight years prior. So she said her sister started getting flu symptoms. Her parents took her to the doctor. They gave her antibiotics. It was encephalitis. She was in the hospital seven days and voila, she's out. No problems, no complications. Mm -hmm. Uh, so technology has just come a long, long ways. Medicine all of the research. And I believe, and I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but I believe they will begin to do optic nerve transplant, transplants. Um, it would be kind of mm -hmm. tedious from what I've been told by ophthalmologists, but I believe that, that they will get there. They, they're doing a lot with retinas, but my retinas and all that's fine. It's just my optic nerve. But yeah, the medicine these days, um, they can just give you an antibiotic seven days, you're out. You're fine. So, yeah, this was, uh, gosh, early, no, probably mid to late, uh, late 60s when this happened with me. So, 
yeah, that was quite a way, quite a long time ago. <laughs> if they did make the surgery available, would you get in line to do it? I would not be the first one. I need to, because <laughs> I'm good right now. So I just don't know if they would be able to have a hundred percent guarantee. I I need to see that that surgery. I need to see some success with that before. No, I wouldn't be the first in line. I, I wouldn't even be the first in line <laughs> with a, a self-driving car. <laughs> <laughs> so you you amaze me, and um, I just. I know um, I'm going to be playing devil's advocate here because I know that there's some people who might be listening yeah. to this who aren't yeah. believers. And um, you you talk about how good God is, but speaking um, as someone who might be critical yeah. of yeah. God, um, like how could he allow that to happen to you and, um, and still be good? You know, yeah. I mean, and something that is treatable. Um, just would yeah. you mind speaking to that r- right now? Because I feel like there's people who are listening to this who might be in that place. Like it's really hard for them to believe that God yeah. is good um, in the midst of so much suffering that seems so pointless. You know, Janelle, God is able to do anything. What he can do is limitless. The thing for us is to be able to accept God's will in our lives. He doesn't say yes to everything. He doesn't say no to everything. God could have healed me. He could have even, uh, in my own mind, I think maybe I got the virus through being um, bitten by like a mosquito or something because mosquitoes carry the virus. Nobody else, none of my other friends. And I've talked to doctors about this. I said, well, none of my other friends got this virus. It was just me. And so that was the plan that God had for me. And Janelle, I can truly say, I believe that God has used me in the lives of so many young blind people over my lifetime. And so I don't know because it's hard to tell, to share with somebody about anything, alcohol, drugs, anything, if you haven't lived it. So since I've, this is, I walk in these shoes every day. And so when I meet young people that uh, just want to go sit in their house and do nothing, I'm able to share with them, no, 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 you need to get up, get about it. And, and I don't have that same level of pity and sympathy that somebody who hasn't lived it might have. And so uh, I don't question why God allowed uh, me to to experience blindness. It's just a part of his perfect plan. God is so good. He's been so good to me in my life. His track record is perfect. And, and that may sound like an oxymoron to somebody, hearing it from me, but um, God's track record is perfect. I think about where I lived and, and the way I was raised and, and the way I, uh, where I was at nine years old and some of the people I was hanging around with and certainly uh, didn't, still didn't make all of 
the correct choices. But um, some of the people I was hanging around with, even at the early age of nine, uh, one girl is is dead now. Uh, one girl uh, is strung out on drugs. And I mean, I don't know uh, that that would have been my lot, but I was uh, certainly uh, not on the right track in my life. And so I don't know if that was God's way of saying, look, I, I have a different direction for you. Uh, whatever, it's, whatever it is, whatever it was, it's okay because it's God's plan. He gets to choose. We don't get to choose. We don't know what's best for us. All we know is right now. We, our, our understanding is so finite, but God's understanding is beyond figuring out. And if we just know that he loves us and he wants and does only those things that are best for us, we can rest in that. So I trust the Lord. Uh, One of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all of thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, That passage has gotten me through a lot of days. And so, no, I don't question why uh, this is my lot in life. Because, Janelle, you have your lot. Everybody listening, they have their lot. Everybody's lot is different. But we all have been dealt a hand. There is no perfect person. There is no perfect life. There's no perfect journey. We all have something. There's going to be a challenge somewhere. So anybody listening, if you haven't had any challenges yet, uh, they're coming up. (laughs) They're coming up. True story. (laughs) So Crystal, for people who are listening who might be thinking what I'm thinking right now, which is how did this woman get this strong of a faith and this strong of an assurance of who God is? And when I think of you, I think, man, she knows who she is, but really that's about knowing who God is. So um, was that something that your parents taught you at an early age? Is it something that as you wrestled with your lot in life that you just clung to? Or where did it come from? This you're just so anchored in in love for the Lord. I believe. Um, now, my mom uh, carried me to church uh, every Sunday. My dad didn't become a believer uh, until 2001. My mom and I prayed for my dad for 14 years. My dad uh, contracted uh, lung cancer in 2005, and and God took him home uh, to be with with him in 2007. And I can firmly say that when when the Lord took my dad from this earth, uh, my dad was on fire for Jesus. And I, I praise God for that because I get to see him again. But my mom uh, took me to church every Sunday. And uh, I can't say that I knew who Jesus was then, though. Um, I got baptized when I was 17. And even then, I I can't say I knew who Jesus was. I think back and it seems that God kept putting people in my path. I had a bus driver that was a minister. And uh, and he used to tell me in the mornings when he dropped us off at school, he said, uh, 
I want you to read such and such a scripture. And when you get back on the bus today, I want you to tell me uh, what that scripture meant. And I said, I can't read. You know, and I was a little bit defiant, <laughs> a lot defiant, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I said, I can't read no scripture. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> he said, well, because one of my math teacher was a blind guy. And so he had the whole Bible in his classroom. He said, well, you can go to Reverend, Reverend Willis's class. And, 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 and so I didn't do it the first few times, but then I, I did it um, to appease this bus driver. And, uh, and, and I started reading scripture because my bus driver asked me to. And I still don't know if, if I took it to heart. Uh, even then. Um, but I'd say probably in my early 20s. Uh, so I guess, guess not that, that total long ago uh, is when I got real serious about who Jesus is. Uh, it was once I moved to, to Oceanside, California. My husband was in the Marine Corps, and that's what brought us uh, from South Carolina to California and, uh, and the church that we joined there. We, we belonged to that church for 35 years. And, and that's when we really, really uh, began to, to grow in our faith. What is one piece mm-hmm. of advice that you could give to someone who might be struggling with believing she is who Christ says she is? So when I look at you, I see someone who's pretty anchored in the fact that she knows she's a child of the King. She knows that she's here to spread joy and love and the goodness of God to those around her. What advice would you give to someone who's struggling with believing that? This is what um, I believe, Janelle. And this this computer is beeping. I don't know if that means the battery's going dead, but oh, no. anyways, uh, this is what I believe. I believe because God is so sovereign. He decides. I believe He got my mom's DNA and my dad's DNA, and he put them together purposefully, intentionally to create me. He knew it was going to take those two pieces of DNA to give me all of the different characteristics, flaws included, everything that I needed to make this person that I am today that, so that he could use me for his glory. So whoever is listening, you are perfectly, intentionally, fearfully, wonderfully made by the hands of God. God put your mama and your daddy together on purpose to make you because he loves you just that much. So whoever is listening, you are somebody. God made you and that makes you somebody. You somebody special. You got great value. God has given you great value and he wants to use you. He wants to use all of that stuff that he put in you for his glory. So we just have to yield ourselves, give give ourselves over to God so that God can use us because he wants to. We're here on this earth to praise him and to give him glory. It has nothing to do with us. So if we can get out of ourselves and just yield our will to God's will, uh, it all works out. All Mm. things work out. It all works out. Hmm. Man, Crystal, you have been such uh, an encouragement to me. Um, You were talking earlier how you've been an encouragement to other young people who 
are blind or struggling with vision impairment, but you are a light to those around you. And like you said, you don't know what God's doing all the time, right? I mean, we don't always have privy. We're not always privy to what he's doing (laughs) most of the time. I remember a few years ago, you and I were invited to our uh, mutual friends workout class. And um, I'm going to share this story because I feel like it's a, a good lesson, but it's at my expense. So I was acting like a little bit of a jerk. We went to this class uh, with another friend and I remember, so our friend is this beautiful workout instructor and she's amazing. And um, there were all these props that were involved in this workout class. And I started feeling a little annoyed with my friend for inviting us to this class because it was so complicated. And there were, um, I mean... Crystal's blind, right? So I'm mad for you. And so I am getting irritated in my own mind. Plus, I didn't really want to work out. So that's probably more about what what it was. But um, there were mats and weights and bars and drumsticks and steps. And I think there were ropes. I don't know. But every prop that we had to pick up, I just got a little bit more irritated, you know? And and then the music starts and it's loud. And I'm thinking, "How, how is this even possible that we can work out to this music right now? and um and loving my friend but still like being irritated with the situation and I remember looking in the mirror with my little foul attitude and I saw you Crystal and I saw the way you were moving to the music with this huge smile on your face you you couldn't even like keep up I couldn't keep up but it was just like you were so full of joy and um just embracing that moment and it was just this humble reminder to me in that moment like like what you said earlier, like we just, we have a choice to believe it and to live it. And the way that you were just going with the flow and being a joy to those around you, you were like even encouraging our friend, you go girl, you know, like this kind of thing. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I was so humbled um, by your attitude in the face of that, what might be a small adversity, but at the same time, it was just a reminder to me that we have our we have a choice what kind of attitude that we carry wherever we go and how we respond to things and the identity that we carry what we believe about ourselves and believe about our situations um so anyway i just wanted to uh give a shout out to what god's doing through you when you can't even see what's going on i was like sitting there thinking oh my gosh crystal's amazing and i'm such a jerk <laughs> but uh it was that was real so yeah and it was um, a great workout believe me it was i was great <laughs> I know. I know. Every time I think of that workout, I think, oh man, uh, my friends are amazing. I I can't believe they put up with me. Anyway, um, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. And of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, I'm just wondering, Crystal, which of those stand out to you the most at this point in your life right now and why? Mm, Oh gosh, all of them are so good. But um, I have to say redemption, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I believe that's the story of my life. Uh, Every morning, new mercies I see. Uh, Morning by morning, and God's grace and mercy is a basket of, it's a bottomless, endless basket. And so uh, I, I feel like you know, because we sin daily. Uh, we're always doing, I, I, I talk about myself. I'm always doing something. 
thinking something, doing something uh, that is not pleasing to the Lord. And God just keeps forgiving me. So when I think about his redemptive, uh, uh, I don't know, power, it, mm-hmm. it overwhelms me. And the fact that he cares enough to keep forgiving me and saved me from the from hell from the burning fire of hell, God saved me. And so I'm forever grateful for my salvation and for his redemption. So I think that would be the one, uh, all of them are good. Uh, God's love, uh, his restoration and how real he is. All of them are good, but I think redemption. Hmm. Well, Crystal, I just love you. I think you're amazing. And I'm so thankful that you are willing to come on here and share a little bit of the joy that God's given you with uh, the listeners today. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Janelle. I love you, my sister. Oh, I love you too. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real. Per usual, you can also follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag Finding Something Real. Every Thursday around 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I try to jump on there and host an Instagram Live where we recap the week's episode, talk with friends, and answer any questions that might come up. So feel free to join me on there. And of course, you can also sign up for the free study guide that goes along with this current series by heading over to my website at www.janellewood.com. Remember friends, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.